The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Well, I got my education, Reverend Doc, in the black church. Not a joke. Because when we used to get organized on Sundays to go out and desegregate movie theaters and things like that, we'd do it through the black church. I got to admit to you, I'd go to my Catholic mass at 730 first, and then I'd show up in the black church. There's a place where I used to, I was the only white guy that worked as a lifeguard down in that area, on the east side. And you know where the, you can always tell where the best basketball in the state is and the best basketball in the city is. I probably uh, went to shul more than many of you did. <laughs> you all think I'm kidding. He can tell you I'm not. I'm not. Best Shalom is home for countless friends, and for me, it's been, uh, it's been a home. Uh, I uh, was sort of raised uh, in the Puerto Rican community at home politically. To a town called Claymont, Delaware which was a working-class town, and, uh, but everybody in town was either Polish or Italian. I grew up feeling self-conscious. My name didn't end in an SKI or an O, um, but all kidding aside. His uh, biographer has got his work cut out for him. He's, uh, his background is literally everything. Uh, he's in Poland today talking about growing up in uh, Italian and, and Polish communities. It seems like, uh, depending on the audience, I mean, there is definitely something that uh, this president has in common with just about everybody that he sees. You're listening to Stephen Flurry. This is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining our growing audience. You can get to the live video stream of this show very simply by just typing in the URL trumpetdaily.com. You see it there at the bottom of the screen. That takes you to the Trumpet Daily page. You get a banner there every weekday morning at 11 a.m. here in the central time zone of the United States that takes you to the live stream of this program. Of course, you can watch on demand if you choose to. You can have these programs downloaded to your device as well. So it's fitting, really, for a fake president to bring up all of these fake associations as uh, he certainly has done these past couple of years, really, throughout his political career. But uh, in a more serious tone here, or with a more serious point to be made, I mean, you look at what is happening. We touched yesterday. We touched on the fact that here he is on President's Day. He's abroad. He's in Ukraine. He's, uh, he's not attending to the crumbling the crumbling United States of America. We're seeing our infrastructure. Either it's under attack or it's just falling apart because it's so old and in need of an upgrade. But of course, there's nothing. There's nothing there in the way of resources or support or finances. All of that's going overseas. So much of it anyway. In Ukraine. Now he's in Poland talking about, again, the Polish community that he grew up in. Meanwhile, at home, as I covered on yesterday's show, now we'll talk about the significance of these developments in Ukraine with respect to Russia and now China. 
so much of Bible prophecy is accelerating, for sure. But when you consider this administration and what, <laughs> what it's out there doing, there's so much that's just pure theater, as I said yesterday. We noted how that they sounded the alarm, the sirens, for <laughs> Joe Biden's entrance into that center, that, that, that town square with uh, President Zelensky. Listen to this CNN reporter from yesterday, clip five. Um, I've been here for the past five days. I have not heard any explosions. I have not heard any air sirens until about half an hour ago, right when uh, President Biden was in the center of Kiev, as, as Clarissa was, was just mentioning. So it's all for the cameras. Now, again, that doesn't mean that what's happening in Ukraine isn't significant, uh, certainly from a prophetic standpoint. We've had quite a lot to say about the emergence of a European superpower and the development of this Asian conglomerate, Russia, China, India. This is all brought out in our booklets, Russia and China in Prophecy. This one here I'll draw your attention to as well, the, the prophesied prince of, of Russia, perhaps the, the biggest consequence of the Ukraine war uh, thus far. It's been going on now for a year. But the biggest consequence of this war is that it's really pushed the kings of the East together. Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, he was talking, I didn't play the clips for you yesterday, but he was talking over the weekend about China. The, the concern is that China, which has been supporting Russia in ways other than military support, but the concern is now that China is going to come forward and provide the military support that Russia needs. This is uh, from CBS. China considering providing lethal support to aid Russian invasion of Ukraine, Blinken says. It says, as the attempted Russian takeover of Ukraine nears its one-year mark, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken told CBS News on Saturday that China is actively considering providing lethal support, including weapons and ammunition, to aid Moscow in its war against Ukraine. As I said on yesterday's show, I mean, both sides are digging in their heels, and it's like everything the United States does, it just sort of ups the ante. It says here, we've been concerned from, it's quoting Blinken, from day one about that possibility this is what he said on uh, Face the Nation with Margaret uh, Brennan. It quotes him further saying, We have seen them provide non-lethal support to Russia for use in Ukraine. The concern that we, we have now is based on information we have that they're considering providing lethal support. And we've made, we've made very clear to them that that would cause a serious problem for us and in our relationship. So here's this administration that's had such a cozy relationship with China because the Biden crime family, I mean, they're on the take. And now here comes China. Here comes China to provide lethal support for Russia. These are nuclear powers we're talking about. I mean, this is where we are. Think about the talking heads and, and the kinds of things they would say or report based on a tweet from Donald Trump. He's going to start World War III, and here we are on the brink. I mean, there's already a proxy war between the West and between Russia and now maybe China. But these, as I say, these are nuclear powers. Tucker Carlson in his monologue last night, he talked about 
this unification of Russia and China. And, and keep in mind, I mean, and this booklet, I mean, this is our booklet. We could go back to Herbert Armstrong's years where he talked about Russia and China in prophecy as well. I mean, this is something God's church has been proclaiming for decades, the significance of these two powers with all of these people, billions of people, when you add together Russia and China and India, billions of people, the Bible talks about <laughs> an army of hundreds of millions. How could you put together an army as big as that unless it's with a conglomerate such as this, Russia and China in prophecy? Now listen to what Tucker had to say last night on his show, clip one. But it's also true, if we're being honest, and we should be, that Donald Trump had far wiser instincts about American foreign policy than any leader in at least a generation. And he did it without the help of anyone. None of his advisors wanted to hear his views on foreign policy. In fact, they desperately wanted Trump to be quiet, but Trump wouldn't. What's the point of NATO, he asked, nearly 30 years after the fall of the Soviet Union. No one in Washington could answer him. Shut up, racist, they replied. But Trump just kept going in his Trumpy way. Why would we fight Russia, he wondered. Wouldn't making Russia our enemy just drive Putin into the arms of China and create the most powerful and dangerous anti-American bloc in history? No one bothered to answer him. In fact, for the sin of asking, they called him a traitor to his country. They impeached him for it. And then they started a war with Putin. But in retrospect, Trump had asked a deeply patriotic question. If Russia ever joined forces with China, American global hegemony, its power would end instantly. You'd have the world's largest landmass and largest natural gas reserves allied with the world's largest population and world's largest economy. So a Russia-China axis would be not just more powerful than the United States, but much more powerful. It would have the scale to control a lot of the world's economy and trade routes and raw materials. It could project military force that Posturing aside, we actually don't have the power to stop. If Russia and China ever got together, it would be a brand new world, and the United States would be greatly diminished. Most Americans agree that would be bad. Now, as Donald Trump predicted very clearly, that is happening. Thanks to Joe Biden's reckless and self-destructive response to the invasion of Ukraine a year ago this week, the economies of Russia and China are intertwined. Chinese spending on Russian goods has increased by more than 60%. As I say, that's, this is what he's describing there. This is one of the biggest consequences of what has happened over this past year. Yesterday we talked about you know, the dovish approach of Barack Obama and how, how that stands in stark contrast to what uh, Joe Obama is now doing with respect to Ukraine, facing off now with Russia. I mean, one thing that we've said all along with respect to Barack Obama is that his foreign policy— is intended really to embarrass and to bring down the United States of America, to blot out the name of America, to blot out America, to blot out Israel, like Second sorry, Second Kings uh, 14 says. This has been his goal from the beginning is to fundamentally transform the United States. That fundamental transformation is taking shape at home. Ukraine, as I said yesterday, represents a massive, massive distraction away from America's crumbling infrastructure. But even, even, when, it's in a more, even when it's acting in a more hawkish manner, it's still, it's still 
It's just accelerating, accelerating the demise of the United States and the formation of these power blocks that are prophesied in your Bible, Russia and China in prophecy. If you don't have that in your library, make sure that you call our operators today and request your free copy, the 800 number. If you live in the U.S., in Canada, in the Caribbean, it's 1-866-930-3024. This is from the Associated Press just uh, yesterday. It says, Russian President Vladimir Putin declared Tuesday that Moscow was suspending its participation in the New START Treaty, the last remaining nuclear arms control pact with the United States, sharply upping the ante amid tensions with Washington over the fighting in Ukraine. And so now all of these liberals, all these Democrats that were anti-war for, for, for decades in some cases, and here they are, provoking war, wanting war with a nuclear-powered state. And then here comes China, as Tucker brought out last night. I mean, if China were to form, and this is a prophesied alliance, so we know it's going to happen. I mean, but, but this changes everything, as Tucker rightly pointed out last night. Here's a bit more from his monologue, clip two. Our leaders understand that their push for total war with Putin, which is unnecessary, could lead to the destruction of the West. They know that, but they're doing it anyway. In an interview with a German newspaper today, the Ukrainian President Zelensky casually mentioned that, oh, by the way, the entire world may soon go up in flames. Quote, if China aligns itself with Russia, there will be a world war. There will be a world war if China aligns with Russia? Who could say something like that calmly? Since, as we just told you, China is aligned with Russia. It's already happened. That's not speculation. It's a fact. It's already happened. That's amazing. It's, I mean, it's right out of our, our booklet. My father had an article uh, just last year. It's, it's in the May-June 2022 trumpet. Asia still stands with Putin. This was from a year ago at the trumpet. Tomorrow's news today. You can call that same 800 number and subscribe to the trumpet magazine. To get tomorrow's news headlines today, become a trumpet subscriber. My father said in many of his aggressions, Putin has benefited from support uh, from the most populous, most economically powerful nation in the world, China. This is, this is exactly what Tucker was noting last night on his show. You bring the most populated nation, this powerful economy, together with the landmass that Russia controls. My father says in early February, Putin traveled to Beijing. So this would be last February, a year ago, that is. Putin traveled to Beijing to meet uh, and met with China's authoritarian president, Xi Jinping, it says they released a lengthy statement declaring that Russia and China had no limits and no forbidden areas of cooperation. I mean, this was from a year ago. The trumpet was on this from the start, as soon as the war in Ukraine started. It says here, China's gas deal gives Russia a new market for oil and gas, helping it economically uh, punish Europe and the West for their sanctions and their opposition to Putin's latest war. And we've talked about how that the trade war is going to be closing in on the United States and Britain. I mean, that's already started. My father says here, when nuclear armed powers show such solidarity in wartime, what does this mean for the world? He says, I tell you, it is woe to the world. This is what it means. It's just like God says in Revelation 12, when Satan and his demons were cast down, he says, woe unto the earth. 
Woe unto the world, my father says, when these two nuclear powers, traditional enemies of the United States, when they form this kind of an alliance, and it's prophesied, you can expect woe. You can expect tribulation. You can expect war. It says here, we have been looking for this alliance to solidify for decades. In 2014, when Russia invaded Crimea, I wrote, this is my father, he says, Asia stands with Putin. That's from the, the May-June 2014 trumpet. Again, t tomorrow's news today. Asia stands with Putin. My father in this piece, he goes back and he quotes from The Plain Truth in 1959. Here again, it's just like the communist infiltration of the United States. I mean, it's, it's prophesied, and God's work has been, has been speaking of this for decades. Has been speaking about this going back to, going back to the 1940s and 50s. Pretty amazing. My father says the trumpet has been expecting China and India to ally with Russia. We and the plain truth. That's our, that's our mother publication, Mr. Armstrong's signature uh, publication. The plain truth before us have anticipated this for 60 years. He talks about the prophecy in Ezekiel 38, the prophesied prince of Rosh. Make sure that you order this booklet, too. You've got the, the Russia and China in Prophecy booklet. You've got the prophesied prince of Russia. And then, of course, the Trumpet magazine that you should subscribe to. It says here, finally, Joe Biden and even some good analysts have said that a revived Russian empire would pose a danger to China and India, and therefore those nations will not support it. But they fail to recognize that India, and especially China, regard the West as a far greater enemy, and they're ignorant of the prophecies of the Bible. You heard it here first. That was in the trumpet from a year ago. He says, finally, even those who are closely watching the war in Ukraine fail to understand its importance and the importance of Eastern nations' reactions. Why? Because they don't understand Bible prophecy. This crisis is far from over. Listen again to what Tucker said last night on his show, clip three. But for some reason, McConnell and so many other Republican leaders and talk show hosts have been completely brainwashed by the idea that the United States will benefit from a war with Russia. Well, now that Russia has joined forces with China to create a block against the United States that we cannot defeat, that will control perhaps the majority of the world. Really? And you did that, by the way. You laughed at Trump. And here we are facing the end of control of a lot of the world because you so unwisely managed the power that you inherited. What's your answer now, Mitch McConnell? That's Tucker from his uh, show last night. Now, another prophecy that I just want you to think about, Leviticus 26 speaks of uh, Israel, the Israelite nations in these last days, spending their strength in vain. You think about all the money and the equipment that we're just pouring into Ukraine, and they're burning through it. We, we, can't, give them, we can't give them enough equipment fast enough. They're just burning right through it. And God says all of that's going to be spent in vain. And look at what it's doing to our own resources. This is from uh, the Federalist regarding the infrastructure of the United States, how everything is crumbling here at home. 
even as Joe Biden and others are traveling abroad, promising more and more money for other nations, more and more support for other nations. The Federalist says Americans received a pristine view of Democrats' disastrous American last policies this morning as Joe Biden paid a surprise visit to Ukraine. This is someone commenting on the the President's Day trip to Ukraine yesterday. It says, Biden's FEMA uh, agency denied any money to help clean up the burning chemical disaster zone in the Republican state of Ohio. But Republican Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has made it clear that Biden will get uh, will get a blank check to slosh around hundreds of billions from U.S. taxpayers to prolong the carnage of war in Ukraine. And of course, McConnell's been out there trying to trying to convince Americans that this is the most important event in the world, what's happening in Ukraine. Nothing matters here at home, evidently. Nothing matters in the United States. Nothing matters in Ohio or the southern border. Who cares about inflation? Just send the, send, here's the blank check, Joe Biden. Send as much as you want to Ukraine. It says here, it's no surprise that American support for expanding the U.S. proxy war with Russia is declining. So they're out, they're out there trying to <laughs> rev up support for these wars abroad, even as the nation at home suffers. It says, and where is Biden as his country is in flames? Hiding from his crimes against Americans, our laws, and our Constitution by urging continued atrocities while doing a dog and pony show in Ukraine. As I say, this doesn't suggest or mean that what's happening in Ukraine is insignificant, but for the Biden people, for sure. It's, a, it's like he says, it's a dog and pony show. Listen to Pete Buttigieg yesterday as he tries to defend his reaction or response, or lack thereof, to the disaster in eastern Ohio, clip six. The administration has come under some fire for its response. The mayor of East Palestine has said it took nearly two weeks for the White House to contact him. There were shouts of, where's Pete Buttigieg at a town hall meeting last week. Uh, what's your response to that? When are you going to go to East Palestine? Well, I am planning to go, and uh, our folks were on the ground from the first hours. I do want to stress that the NTSB needs to be able to do its work independently. But when I go, the focus is going to be on action. Look, I was mayor of my hometown for eight years. We dealt with a lot of disasters, natural and human. When he goes, if he does, he's going to concentrate on action, he says. Here it's been two weeks, three weeks. You look at all these things happening in the United States, the, the guys are keeping track of some of, the, some of these disasters. You can see them there on your screen. It's just happening, and again, maybe it's not uh, a coordinated attack. Maybe it's not sabotage that's behind all of these mysterious explosions. Maybe it is just the, cumbling, uh, the crumbling infrastructure, I should say. In any event, I mean, you can see this is a nation the United States, and you can add the other Israelite nations right in the mix. It's a nation being cursed. There was another explosion at an Ohio uh, foundry just yesterday. Just yesterday. I mean, Ohio's getting pummeled. Ohio's taking a, a beating. This is from NPR regarding uh, North Carolina power substations that are coming under attack. I mean, in this, it is... It is an attack. It says here, a North Carolina power substation was damaged by gunfire 
early Tuesday in the, the third known power substation shooting in the state since early December. I mean, these are such soft targets, and we've heard about this for years. What about the power grid in the United States? What about the, the railways? I think there's something like 140,000, it's in my notes later, 140,000 miles of, of railroad. How do you secure all of that? How do you guard all of that? We see, to, we see what extreme measures the United States took following the attacks on, on 9-11 with the establishment of TSA, Homeland Security, all of the, the security checkpoints at airports. I mean, just the tens of billions of dollars that, that must have gone into that alone. But what, how do you protect all of these soft targets? People in North Carolina, just one state, three substations since uh, December, gunfire. This is from ABC News. Thousands of customers in Oakland are still without power Monday uh, after a fire at the PG&E substation caused big problems in the East Bay Sunday. It says about 50,000 50, customers lost power. Another mysterious fire and or explosion. Over the weekend, there was a, a pipe bomb found near a railroad track in Pennsylvania. I mean, a pipe bomb would suggest there's an attack, that it is sabotage, even if it isn't. <laughs> this is classic communist infiltration and takeover. Just let the infrastructure break down through neglect even. And then what you rebuild, you can rebuild in your image, your vision for utopia. This is from American Greatness. It says here, shortly after Russia invaded Ukraine on February 24 last year, a move that Joe Biden just weeks before had assured us would happen. Again, they, they, in many ways, the Joe Obama people provoked it. Quite unlike what happened in 2014 when Barack Obama just stepped aside and said, yeah, have at it. You can take Crimea, no problem. In this case, I mean, you had the American power provoking Putin. It says here, one might have wondered, what does invading in, uh, well, let me back up. He invoked the Defense Production Act to accelerate domestic, in, domestic manufacturing of clean energy. I kind of butchered that. Let me just quote it again. Shortly after Russia invaded Ukraine, Joe Biden invoked the Defense Production Act to accelerate domestic manufacturing of clean energy. Now, one might have wondered, what does invading, uh, investing in solar panels have to do with beating the Russians? The obvious answer, of course, is nothing. There may very well be uh, a number of genuine explanations, none good, for America's heavy-handed involvement in this particular foreign war, such as funding the military-industrial complex, laundering money, uh, and even in instigating World War III, to name a few. But undoubtedly, one of the primary reasons is to justify and accelerate America's transition away from fossil fuels to green energy, a transition which is tantamount to economic suicide. Well, Biden himself said the, the other day, it was at his uh, State of the Union, that, uh, well, we, need, we may need fossil fuels for another 10 years, and, and that, that's it. I mean, you can see how hard they're pushing in this green revolution, it says here, finally, the Biden administration is using the Russia-Ukraine war to accelerate and fund 
America's transition away from fossil fuels to unreliable green energy, which will decimate America's economy. They've admitted it. It says here, like COVID, this diabolical administration is using Russia, the Russia-Ukraine war to kill multiple birds with one stone. But one of those birds is undeniably the American economy and affordable energy. It says, don't take it from me. The administration has been bragging about it. Investing in solar panels and electric vehicles in America is going to defeat the Russians, according to the Department of Energy. Again, look at their actions. Buttigieg is promising action. Once he finally gets to Ohio, we'll see if he ever gets there. But I told you yesterday, the EPA guy, he was in there Thursday, out Friday, and then on his way to Sierra Leone on Saturday for a week-long conference, for a week-long celebration of climate change and what we're going to do to defeat it. You look at their actions. You see where their hearts are. You see what's really important to them. You see why they ignore certain problems and why they're all in with other hotspots, with other problems. There's so many. This is uh, one last piece I can get to here before we, we break. Well, let me just, to set this up, let me just uh, play you James O'Keefe. He was run out of town by uh, Project Veritas, and it came after his big expose on Pfizer. And, and the board now has said, you know, we've got to part ways with O'Keefe. And he gave his farewell address with his, uh, his company, his former company, just yesterday. Here's a bit from his statement, clip eight. Nothing about how I've conducted myself over the past 13 years has really fundamentally changed until now. So what has changed in the last three weeks? What has changed? The only thing that has changed is that we broke the biggest story in our organization's history. You know that one I'm talking about? Pfizer. The, week, the last week of January, with 50 million views. That like broke the record by like 10x. Our video became a global phenomenon. It was about Pfizer and one of the directors discussing mutating the virus. Our confrontation video where he locked me in a pizza restaurant with you and you, <laughs> and he smashed the equipment and called the police. Um, that became a phenomenon and was riveting television for our audiences glued to their screens. That was my, probably my, one of my favorite things that ever happened. 50 million views, he says, that uh, Pfizer expose. And then what, a few weeks later, he's blotted out. I mean, he'll probably go on and do work independently now of Project Veritas. And who knows what will happen to Veritas. They're already losing followers by the thousands. But 50 million views, and he exposed these, these criminals right at the very top of Big Pharma. This article from, uh, oh, I forget where it's from, but it talks about Fauci stepping down. It says, Anthony Fauci stepped down from his position as the director of the, NI, and, uh, the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, the NIAID, in December. It says, while he was quick to state that he is not reti retiring and still plans to pursue the next phase of his career, uh, someone will be stepping in to take his place as the lead propagandist for Big Pharma. Some commentary here. It says here, that someone's likely to be Dr. Peter Hotez. Remember him? 
if, you, if you've forgotten, he's the junk food guy. He's, he's the proud junk food-aholic. And he's probably going to be replacing the good doctor, Tony Fauci. It says, Dean of National School of Tropical Medicine at Baylor College of Medicine. A replacement that could end up being even worse than Fauci. It's hard to believe you could get any worse than Tony Fauci. But just put the junk food guy in there. It says here, the proper replacement would be a candidate who is an advocate for data transparency and free speech. You know, you know, truth. There's almost no chance we'll get that. I'm almost certain we'll get the opposite. Notes Steve Kirsch, director of the Vaccine Safety Research Foundation. It says, Hotez is deeply embedded with Big Pharma. Well, surprise, surprise. They're all the same. They're, they're all in bed with each other. And, and here James O'Keefe exposes this, this incestuous relationship, and then he's out at Project Veritas. It shows, just like Tucker made the point of last week, I think it was, it shows you just how powerful Big Pharma is. It shows you just how powerful Pfizer is when they can just blot out certain individuals, when they can blot out a message that doesn't fit in with their false narrative. When we come back, we'll conclude today's show with our Bible, Bible study segment. You're listening to Stephen Flurry. This is The Trumpet Daily. If you'd like to email the show, you can reach us at tdatthetrumpet.com. We'll be right back. The Trumpet Daily. Do you believe the United States of America has been mainly a positive force in the world for most of its history? Do you believe that America was at one time a great nation? The United States of America was founded on many biblical principles that were incorporated into the Constitution. This lent to its success and positive influence in the world. But the America of then is not the America of today. To anyone examining the current state of America, this should be alarming. It has been a great nation in time past and is experiencing a temporary resurgence in these end times, but it will only be exactly that, temporary. Our free booklet, Great Again, will explain America's status. It will prove that God has been intimately involved in the rise and resurgence of America under President Donald Trump. It will also explain why God is saving America temporarily, how he was doing it, and what is yet to come in America. There is a spiritual dimension to America's rise and decline as a superpower. This free booklet will explain this dimension and how God will soon make America truly great again. Request your free copy of our book, Great Again, at our website, thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. While the Philadelphia Church of God was embroiled in a court case against the Worldwide Church of God over Herbert W. Armstrong's books and booklets, Pastor General Gerald Flurry was inspired to follow in Mr. Armstrong's footsteps and establish a college. On February 17, 2001, Mr. Flurry announced the opening of Imperial College. He admonished instructors that, if the college is done right, it can stir and motivate the entire church to get more and more behind the work. When the college began, only 10 full-time students were accepted, and the first campus building was not yet completed. 
At the first orientation in August 2001, Mr. Flurry explained that despite this mustard seed beginning, the whole world will be filled with colleges patterned after our college when Christ returns. In 2005, the name of the school was changed to Herbert W. Armstrong College, a fitting tribute to Mr. Armstrong's legacy after the PCG won the literature copyright battle in March 2003. Today, AC students live and work on a beautifully landscaped campus that is fully equipped with classrooms, staff buildings, dormitories, sports fields, and more. AC also has a stunning sister campus in Edstone, England. Some students travel to our regional office in Jerusalem, working at the Armstrong Institute of Biblical Archaeology and Archaeological Digs. Since 2001, 344 total students have graduated from Herbert W. Armstrong College, including 206 from the four-year program. Many of these graduates work for the church and college at headquarters or in regional offices. Herbert W. Armstrong wrote in his autobiography that the growth of the work directly paralleled the development of the college. He said, without the college, the work of thundering Christ's gospel around the whole world could not have been possible. The same is true of God's work today. To learn more about the college and to keep up with the latest developments in the work, visit pcg.church. The Trumpet Daily. There's your latest installment of the News of the Work uh, segment that uh, we're trying to promote or put on or display every Tuesday on the show. A little bit of history there, some, some really, uh, really exciting history when you think of it. And, and yet, too, I'm struck by just how small God's College is and has been over the course of 21, 22 years. Only 344 graduates spanning more than two decades. And yet, look at what some of those students and those graduates have been involved in all of these years, whether it's in Jerusalem with an excavation or at the institute now that we have there in, in Jerusalem or at our beautiful sister campus at Edstone. That's been in operation since uh, the spring semester of 2015, so eight years or so with the Edstone campus. And then, of course, this one, starting in the smallest of ways, back in uh, August of 2001, 2001, we're putting some, some history behind us. We're making history, in fact. And along the way, I know one thing that we've really stressed with our young people is to just appreciate how wonderful these opportunities are and just how involved they have been in, uh, in the work of the church. You see, as you saw there in that segment, you see a parallel between the growth and the development of God's college and, of course, the growth, the development, and the reach of God's work in general. The college is here to support the work. And so, yes, there's responsibility. <laughs> there's pressure. There's some strain and stress associated with contributing to God's work. But what a wonderful and joyous place to be. What an environment. What an environment to spend two or four years in, to spend two or four of the most formative years Mr. Armstrong talked about uh, the all-important preparatory years that, that transpire between the age of 16 and 25. I mean, that's where you're, you're basically preparing for your life as a, as a married, as a father, as a husband, 
as a wife, as a mother. That's where you're preparing for your career. Mr. Armstrong talked about one of the more common sins in the world today, and sometimes it emerges in, into the congregation of spiritual Israel as well. It certainly did in ancient Israel. Here they were, God's people, God's nation, and here we are, God's spiritual nation. And yet how easy it is to be negative, to be critical. The Bible talks of it as, as murmuring. Murmuring, <laughs> the way to, to cure that mindset of not being thankful, of griping and complaining, as Mr. Armstrong taught us. This goes back to an article from 1961. He said, the cure is to set your mind in the opposite mood, that of gratitude, to think about the many blessings that God has bestowed upon us, to think about all that God has given us, as the saying goes. I mean, we really should, at times, sit down and count our blessings. This is from a Good News piece back in 1971. Mr. Armstrong said, Speaking of blessings, which God showers on those who obey and trust him, all this reminds me of the first chapter of Ephesians in the Moffat translation. I'll have this ended by reproducing some of that for you, he says, and I sincerely hope it applies to you as it surely does to me. We recently went through Ephesians 1 in our Epistles of Paul class, and Mr. Armstrong suggested that we go through this chapter from time to time and to just reflect on, to think on, to meditate on the blessings that come from God, particularly in the spiritual realm. He said in 1966, Mr. Armstrong did, we in Britain and America are blessed as no other nations were ever blessed before. It says, at this time, we ought to read the first chapter of Ephesians and realize what we have to be thankful for. Now today, I mean, we see so many of these blessings, they're being taken away. Curses are setting in, as you often hear on the first segment of this show. And yet even still, even still, you've got millions of people every year risking their lives in some cases to get into this country, the United States I'm talking about, because of the fabulous wealth and prosperity that we've enjoyed for so long. And yet look at how discontented we are. Look at how negative we are. Look at how ungrateful and unthankful we are as a people. God says we ought to thank, we ought to thank him for our many wonderful blessings. Certainly there's physical, material blessings. But for those of us in God's church, I mean, to have our minds open to the truth, to receive spiritual blessings from the Father of lights, the giver of all gifts, God in heaven. This is Ephesians 1 and verse 3. Moffat says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord in Christ, who in Christ has blessed us with every spiritual blessing within the heavenly sphere. I mean, here Paul doesn't even, he doesn't even say the physical blessings. I mean, there are those too. But the focus here, the emphasis here is on spiritual blessings. Think about being forgiven of your sinful past upon acceptance of Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, upon faith and repentance, to be forgiven of that sinful past, to receive the Holy Spirit of God, to claim the many other promises all throughout Scripture. 
a number of us have been studying more deeply into the subject of healing. What a blessing. What a promise of God that is. Read about it in Psalm 103 and elsewhere. Of course, 1 Peter 2, Isaiah 53. We have a booklet. Herbert Armstrong wrote a booklet on the subject of healing. If you don't have that, again, our 800 number. You can request your free copy. That's 1-866-930-3024. The spiritual blessings. God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. James 1 and verse 17, I mentioned uh, or at least paraphrased a bit of this a moment ago. It says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with him is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every good gift, it comes from God. Don't we have a lot to be thankful for? Well, we do. And uh, Ephesians 1 will help to, to set our minds in the direction of gratitude, thankfulness, appreciation, love for God. Verse 4, it says in Moffat, He chose us in him ere the world was founded, to be consecrated and unblemished in his sight. See, God has established, he established his purpose uh, to reproduce himself through human beings prior to the establishment of this present world. This is what it means to be predestined. It's not that we're robots and that God knows how everything's going to turn out with us individually, but he has established a plan for reproducing himself and it's unfolding exactly, exactly as God anticipated that it would. Obviously, we're free moral agents, and humanly, individually, we can turn and walk away from this grand purpose and plan. But God's purpose stands. God is reproducing himself, and there is a time order to that plan and purpose of God's. It says here in verse 5, Destining us in love to be his sons, through Jesus Christ. The King James says adoption there, which it shouldn't. It's, it's a, it's a father-son relationship. It's a family relationship. God's not adopting sons. God's children, they're going to be born into his family. Jesus explained this to Nicodemus in John 3. Why won't the world understand the truth about what it means to be born again? We've got another booklet on that subject. Herbert Armstrong wrote it. One of the, the many in the Blue Book series on basic doctrines of the church. If you don't have that one in your library, make sure you call our operators and request the truth, the plain truth about being born again. What does it mean? What do you mean, born again? That's the, the title. But here is God's pleasure to bring forth this family, the good pleasure of his will, Think of it, billions and billions of human beings that haven't yet understood anything about God's purpose and plan, but having an opportunity to share, to share in the glory of Jesus Christ. Read, read Romans 8 and verse 17. Glorified together with Christ, and not just the church. What about all the children that come into that family uh, in the world tomorrow and beyond? Ephesians 1 and verse 6 here, it says, Such was the purpose of his will, uh, redounding to the praise of his glorious grace, bestowed on us in the beloved, and verse 7 continues, In whom we enjoy our redemption, the forgiveness of our trespasses, by the blood he shed. 
See, we're, we're, enjoy, we're able to enjoy this re redemption, redeem there. It means to buy back. We've been bought with a price. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20 says, We've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. You can claim that sacrifice. You can, you can be redeemed. You can be reconciled to the Father. And then you can be saved by the life, the living Jesus Christ, by Jesus Christ living in you. What a blessing and gift that is. Spiritual blessings within the heavenly sphere. Verse 8, it says, So richly has God lavished upon us his grace. It's so rich. We've just been buried under blessings from heaven above. God has opened the windows of heaven, Malachi 3.10. And he's just pouring blessings upon us. Think about this when you're in the midst of a sore trial. Still, even when, when going through a fiery trial, think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they were literally thrust into the furnace. And yet you, you see how that they interacted with the authorities of their day. Look, uh, we're worshipers of God. We're not going to bow down to these pagan idols. And if we have to go into the furnace to even die for our God, we'll happily do so. These were individuals who had a right mindset. They were very thankful, very grateful for the many blessings that God had bestowed upon them. Verse 9 says, this is Ephesians 1, it says, Granting us complete insight and understanding of the open secret of his will, showing us how it was the purpose of his design so... We've had our minds open to God's will, his purpose, the mystery of his will, it says in the King James Version. Paul wrote about this often, the mystery of God, how it had been, well, you can read about it in Ephesians 2. It had been hidden from ages, for ages, and now revealed to the first fruits, Jew and Gentile alike, there in the first century. All of us together, of course, coming into God's church as spiritual Jews, Spiritual Israel, the Israel of God, that's in Galatians 6. Moffat says here, again, Mr. Armstrong encouraged us to read the first chapter in Moffat, here in Ephesians 1. It says in verse 10, to order it in the fullness of the ages, that all things in heaven and earth alike should be gathered up in Christ. You see, God is just gathering up this, this family. Nothing about his purpose and plan has been haphazard. He's not just sitting back passively and kind of playing things by ear there's a time order right now the world is cut off from god you see that in genesis 3 and man has been going it alone it's so obvious that this is an evil world galatians 1 4 says so jesus said it would be just like the days of sodom and gomorrah and the days before the flood right before his return to this earth i mean it's so obvious that this is not god's world and yet god in raising up those prophets of old and the, the apostles of the first century and the apostles that have, that have led the church since, he's established, and you can see this in Ephesians 2, he's established the foundation of this spiritual structure that he's building, this edifice, this, this spiritual family, the family of God, the household of God. And soon everyone who's ever existed is going to have an opportunity to be born into that family. That's a glorious purpose and plan. I mean, that's something to truly be thankful for, to just meditate on, to think about, to think about often. It says here in verse 10, 
to order it in the fullness of the ages, that all things in heaven and earth alike should be gathered up in Christ, in whom, or in the Christ, uh, in whom we have had our heritage allotted us, as we decreed in the design of him who carries out everything according to the counsel of his will. It's all unfolding according to his purpose, his plan, his counsel, his will. Verse 12 says, To make us redound to the praise of his glory by being the first to put our hope in Christ. We're the first fruits. Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren, among many brothers and sisters. The first, the first fruits. And then the family, as it expands on out, verse 13 says, You have also heard in him the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and in him you also, by your faith, have been stamped with the seal of the long-promised Holy Spirit. That seal of God's Holy Spirit, that earnest, that pledge, that token, verse 14 says, which is the pledge and the installment of our common heritage, that we may obtain our divine possession and so redound to the praise of his glory. The Revised Standard Version on that, that word pledge, it says the guarantee, that Holy Spirit, that's God's guarantee. I mean, that shows how serious God is about bringing you into the family of God. He, he's so, he is so excited about bringing you forth into God's family that he gives you that down payment, that guarantee of your eternal inheritance. That is the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in your mind. After, after repentance and faith and, and baptism, and then the receipt of the Holy Spirit, it starts in the smallest of ways. It's a mustard seed beginning, spiritually speaking. But we've got we've to see or think about or meditate on where it's leading. And how that this results in a birth, a literal birth, into the spiritual family of God. That's something to truly be thankful for, for sure. We'll have to finish off this study at a later time. Ephesians 1, read through it in the Moffat translation. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. You can email the show, td at thetrumpet.com. We thank you for joining us on today's show. And we'll see you tomorrow.